Hello, listeners, and welcome back yet again, always on a weekly basis to the Dual Screens podcast. My name is Andy, and joining me this week, it's a good one, I feel, is Joseph Williams, developer of, he's already laughing, of, uh, of Mech Jabber, a tactical cyberpunk turn-based RPG set on an off-world grindhouse jungle colony. It's a mouthful that I stole from Steam. Joseph, welcome to the show. How's it going, buddy? Excellent. Thank you for having me on, Andy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever wish listed a game as fast as Mech Jammer. Ah, sweet. Thanks. Just seeing what it looks like. Is it a pixel game? It's not a pixel game. It's uh, it's, it's isometric and funky and filthy and slimy and gritty. Yeah. It's all sorts of goodness. But I do have a question for you first on the onset here, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to torment me in some way, shape, or form? I'd like to think not, but I th- maybe. You, you would think so, but I think in some way, deep in your psyche, in your subconscious, where all the dark things dwell, you're like, I'm going to do a thing to fuck with Andy this week. And that is, saw some of your game video on the old homepage today. And I noticed this green dome that appears over the character, which I assume is like when you select an action or a targeting situation of some sorts. Uh huh. And I was like, that is so Parasite Eve right now. And I need one of those games back in my life. <laughs> I think and that I- system got passed around. I think Sony passed that around because that was in Vagrant Story too. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, is it just on loan from Square Enix? Is that what happened, or is there was there a SquareSoft auction from like I, the yeah, old I good think, shit we used to make? <laughs> I think Sony passed around some of that info. I mean, you know, it's built into the, the PlayStation at the time. They probably just kind of figured it out. But uh, unfortunately, I do have bad news, so I will torment you. That yes. wasn't the game to determine. Uh, you know, just like those games, was to determine mm-hmm. who was in your hit range. Right. Um, but we've since kind of simplified that. Um, mm-hmm. We might bring that back just to show it while you're looking through your inventory or something. But that is a dead sexy visual, and I'd love to get it back. It is. Too. It really is. Absolutely. It is, it is awesome as fuck. So, <laughs> a bit of a mouthful tactical cyberpunk turn based RPG. A lot of things happening. Give us the elevator pitch, aside from the one I stole from you on Steam. Oh, well, you stole the. You stole the good one. The good one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just called on in class, and I stole your answer previously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is now your response to uh, Joseph? What is what is Mac Jammer? <laughs> sure, I'll give you the bloated one then. Uh, yes. Oh, maybe that's a cool one. So you're a badass uh, '80s action hero mm. um, in a cool cyberpunk colony, and your your one goal is escape. Mm-hmm. Nice and clean and mm-hmm. easy. I love it. I love it. It's it's really refreshing seeing a game that has that cyberpunk label that isn't just ultra shiny and flashing in neon. It's I feel like so many developers feel that's like what the genre should look like. Oh geez, yeah. When I feel it's all about robo geishas at the end of the day. That's <laughs> what a cyberpunk game should be about. <laughs> should be filthy and sweaty and right. horrible. It's a so- dystopian. You know, right, kind of course. not like it's a it's a subgenre of that. So you kind of it's it can't be it can't be roller coasters. It's got to no. be horrible. No. 
so before we get into like how this game actually plays, I think the visuals are the first thing that kind of grabs you. How did you guys land on this sort of visual style for the game, like to abandon what many feel this sort of game should quote unquote look like? Mm -hmm. Describe that process for us. We went through, uh, we've been kind of on and off on this project for quite a while now. And we, we did, we started more, it was still pixel art, but we kind of started 3D pixel art. And then we tried to smooth that out and kind of go for like a comic-y thing. Mm-hmm. And we really liked that and we we're doing that for a while, but it was really clean, um, a little more like cell shaded. And we really missed that kind of grit that that pixel art originally had. And then through a series of uh, kind of iterations to, to make playing this kind of fast-paced turn-based thing we ended up getting the characters as sprites because it's super at a glance easy to click and the rest of it we just mad it to be as absolutely filthy as possible with like this dithered pixel art and we thought it worked great for getting that kind of sweaty 70s 80s film vibe um and that's hard to do i mean for a lot of like uh 3d games uh, the game is completely 3d but we kind of wrap the, the pixel art around it and Hannah figured out a cool way of making all the pixel art um, the same scale pixels. We don't have like the weird fidelity issues where some things are more detailed than others. That was a whole thing, but she figured that out. So it's easy for me now, but um, it's easy to make like a, a big grandiose sci-fi world that's like smooth and shiny and you put bump maps on stuff and metallic maps, but it's, uh, it's a little more expensive and difficult to make everything look uniquely grimy without looking too tiled and everything. And so that was kind of a big challenge, but we thought it was important. I mean, we were kind of going for that 80s grungy predator RoboCop kind of look. And it's a, it's a, it's a thing that fits and uh, we really liked playing with it. It's still fun to work on. Um, it's certainly something that we'll continue to use probably in the future too, but um, I don't know. It seemed like, it seemed like a fun, it seemed like the fun kind of way to represent the cyberpunk grungy smoky perpetually rainy kind of atmosphere and it's supposed to be a kind of classic dungeons and dragons kind of you know role-playing game little tabletopy and keeping things abstract is always good for that too we like that um kind of fill in the blanks yourself you know what what is this pile of colors <laughs> you know it's like it's in the shape of trash but what exactly is it yeah you figure it out you know it is what it is most indie devs try to reduce costs and you're just like we're going to spend a little bit more on this just to get the look we're trying to get to achieve here. <laughs> right. It can, be, it can be kind of expensive to look this cheap, but, uh, you know, we thought it was worth it. It's fun. Oh, it does not look cheap, though, at all, sir. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> just, the, just the lo-fi, the lo-fi <laughs> pixel art and stuff. There's a lot of tech between that and the world's all 3D, but we don't, like, rotate the camera. And so we have some, like, the line of sight kind of clips through the world just so you can see what your player sees pretty seamless that's all expensive stuff but yeah the world itself is fun so we know the world is fun and filthy Mm -hmm. what is this world we're living in how do we get here give us the basic setting of what's happening in on this earth in jammer uh we try to keep it a little vague uh for the player's introduction to the game uh but what you do know pretty definitively is that this is in the far distant future Hmm. and um, when i talk to people i usually say it like consider it like any planet in the imperium for like warhammer 40k 
Gotcha. It's just someplace out there. Anyway, so there's like kind of two sides to this big war happening. There's Earth, the Earth Collective, and then there's all the syndicates. And there's kind of like a power grab in the galaxy of who's taking what. And you are on um, a colony far away from Earth. And you were drafted into this, they call it the Psy War. Um, so you, when you create your character, you, you were back on Earth and you get to choose what jobs you did and that builds up your character. But anyways, you're all brainwashed, kind of dystopian because they don't want you actually learning about what the war is and who you're fighting and stuff. And you and a few companions break free of that and jettison over to a city that isn't being bombarded. And you assume you're on a very limited timer on how to get off before the Earth, Earth Collective comes and takes out everything. And so you're your only goal is to escape that. And this colony is a big manufacturing city and it's pretty crappy. And you get a lot of that, um, what's the classic cyberpunk, the, the, low, the low life and the high tech there. All the mm. syndicates have all the cool technology, but most of the laborers are who you're kind of running around with and they kind of have the worst of it. And so you're kind of making allegiances with the gangs there and figuring out how to essentially rob these bigger syndicates too to make your way off. What are the stakes for the character at this point? Uh, I mean, freedom is one thing, but what's propelling the story along in, in this game? There's the, the point of the game is supposed to be that very simple, like snappy mm-hmm. year. It, it's, we sometimes refer to like the kind of vibe of it as, uh, as Americans here. It's like uh, a few soldiers in during the Vietnam War escape get to a city somewhere and they're like okay we escaped that nonsense that horrible stuff happening let's just try to get home now so it does have that kind of like we've we're deserters we're just trying to get out um and from the player's perspective they uh, they get caught up in some things as they crash down in the city and that kind of propels some people to start talking to them and that Mm eventually points them in the direction of how they could potentially leave. But there's a few different ways you can get that ship. We try to leave it pretty open-ended. Interesting. And the characters themselves, particularly your character and the character creation process, walk us through that. Sort of what kind of classes can we expect? Are there even classes in this game? What does that look like for us? Uh, There aren't classes. Uh, We roughly based the final kind of role-playing system of you roll a lot of like d6s so it's kind of it's not based off d6 or anything but um it's a classless system and so you base your character around a bunch of things that they roll for and you roll to do like everything in the game from lock picking shooting your gun repairing it's all d6 rolls you can fail any of them you can over succeed them and so if there's like really big challenges you want to get that like 300 success rate so you can kind of like breach that and everything so a little bit of level scaling there but it's mm. somewhat minimal um but as far as creating your character um we have the equivalent of some stats we call them virtues like your muscle mass and all that kind of stuff those pretty obvious things but uh the big part of it is creating your background through these jobs and what you previously did on earth and that gives mm. you some initial stat points and um gives you some negative stats so if you were like Ooh. say you were homeless for a little bit um you might have caught like an addiction. And so like anytime you pick up drugs in the game, your character automatically consumes them. But you also get a benefit for it. Like, I don't know, you're better with like a melee weapon or something because you had to learn to use that. And so you choose every five years of your, uh, every five years 
past, I, know, I forget what we started with, like 20 or something. Um, and so you choose all those. And then as you get older, of course, some of your muscle mass and stuff get capped out and all that. But, um, oh, so that's yeah, kind of neat. That's really neat. Because like, usually like when I play a, like a stat building role-playing game, like, okay, I'm going to pump buck of like a mage. I throw it all in intelligence, for example. But like they don't like, dim, you know, knock down your strength right <laughs> yeah we really it was it's fun. i mean we kind of used uh dark lands uh did something like this way back when but uh building your character up from the get-go based off like jobs is kind of a fun a fun way of doing it and it creates it automatically creates that kind of background for your character like who who was i and we really wanted to show you like just choose who you were we don't care um whatever you want to be just be that you can be a doctor the whole time now you have a bunch of like medical skills and stuff but maybe you're a little cowardly like that's just who you are build your character and then when you start the game you have that big sandbox of tools to work with you can do whatever you want so it's pretty open-ended it should have some fun replay value for that reason too give me some more of these negative traits uh, these are, <laughs> these, i'm like so fascinated by these <laughs> the cowardly one is always fun because if you're uh if you chose one of like the kind of the desk jockey kind of jobs back on earth, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're not used to combat. And so every once in a while, if you're getting too wounded or you see one of your companions die, you'll have a few turns where you're just running away in fear <laughs> before you can take captive. So, but you gain the benefits of that. You're a lot healthier than somebody that maybe, you know, was homeless or they had this other kind of weird five-year stunt in their life. Um, so we tried to make that pretty fun to kind of create you know, whatever wacky background you want your main character to be. I love it because I'm always trying to find the perfect build for for, for the for that one class I'm trying to like sure. just excel in. But mm -hmm. this is gonna drive me nuts, and I love it so much. <laughs> what min maxing is a little more difficult, for right? Sure. <laughs> Walk us through the sort of core gameplay loop. What are we doing to keep ourselves busy as we're, you know, not consuming drugs? Yeah, right. <laughs> um or running away from battles <laughs> <laughs> so after you crash uh you get into some typical gang problems where some of the people that are kind of taking over the streets are um kind of just starting to turn aggressive against you you start to be known because you have to defend yourself from them and that's so that kind of triggers this um reputation um from where you uh, begin the game and you for a big part of the game have the option of trying to ally with there's a quite a big selection of just kind of gangs like have kind of risk board segments of the city um and they all have their own allegiances with themselves and so you could choose to ally with these gangs you could choose to destroy them or rob them and then face the consequences of that which are um so we have like these app humans these like mutant humans called ratlings and they're one of the early ones that near you. It's all open-ended. You can do it in any order, but they just happen to be kind of near your, near your uh, old town where you start. And so if you like destroy the ratlings, um, like the fishmongers are another gang and now they might be like permanently hostile to you because they, they were buddy with the ratlings. Um, or you can ally with them and have that same thing happen from another gang. And so it's kind of, uh, kind of a sub part of the game is figuring out which one of these gangs you want to ally with and which ones you want to destroy for their money. And you can get kind of like level ups from killing like their cool agent kind of gang members, the big powerful ones. Um, and one of the benefits of having them as allies is you can uh, you can purchase uh, companions from a pool of their laborers, mm. which are infinite because your companions are they permanently die. The game is 
uh, perpetually saving, kind of like Diablo 2 or something. And so when your companions die, they're just gone. Um, so you kind of go through them. They're kind of meat shields, or they could be really powerful. You kind of have some squad tactics. Um, and so it's good to kind of like, if your character is that doctor, um, you might want a lot of like frontlining characters um, to kind of like tactically take a lot of the heat or do a lot of the combat for you while you're just going around like healing things or shooting things from a distance. And so you want to kind of base which games you're allying with um, to cater to your, your personal character's play style. And so that's a big part of it. And the uh, main kind of quest line is you, of course, looking for a ship off. And there's a few ways of doing that. And we'll kind of leave that up to the player to, to find those probably. Are you always having to purchase companions to get them on your side? Or do you come across NPCs so you can sort of like coerce or persuade oh, yeah. to joining? Absolutely. I mean, we have the classic, you can find, a, you can find your uh, companions at the bar. All the bars have a certain pool of companions that respawn in there too that you can get. They're usually a little more um, powerful and better than the gang ones, but they cost a little more money. And then there's various ways the player can just create companions. Um, you have like these kind of like gross cyberpunk devices where you can resurrect uh, kind of corpses in a way. Um, they kind of like Frankenstein together and you can kind of have mutants following you around. And they're, yes. they're as good to go as anybody else. I mean, they're all going to die in the end anyway. So you got that. And then if you have like the repair skill, you can kind of like throw these little like modulator things on items you see on the ground you just click on them and then they kind of get these little spider legs and they follow you around too and so you can just have like a gun following you around that shoots people mm, um so there's that. a lot of ways to get those companions that filter through but you know you can also try to keep them alive um they certainly have their benefits and they level up with you if you do so yeah again it's gonna drive me nuts because i want to i like to save all my people <laughs> and if they if i grow attached to someone <laughs> And they die. Yeah. There's no like I can just quick load and that's they're just done. There is it. Uh there is some ways. Uh <laughs> we won't reveal how, but there is some ways that you could okay. you could help with that situation. All right. I feel a little less anxious right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you learn to live with that gameplay loop of Listen, uh Joseph. Know, I'm, the, I'm the kind of guy if I'm playing like a Final Fantasy nine kind of a game and and, and a and a member of the party goes down. I don't mm. I don't use Phoenix down. I, I do I do like a hard reset. That's it's like a sickness. <laughs> no one like, dies on my saves, watch. Is that saves coming to the extreme or you oh, just yeah. completely completely just oh, load yeah. immediately? <laughs> Excellent. So it's clear what the inspirations were from the lore, the world, the look. But what about the tactic gameplay? Where do you look to to build a tactics game? That was probably the hardest one for us because the core kind of role-playing systems behind it are more or less traditional turn-based, you know, tabletop kind of role-playing. Like everybody's rolling D6s to hit, so to do, you know, to do damage and everything. Um, and so combining that with a gameplay that's more built off like sensory mechanics from enemies, which is pretty different of how most kind of tabletop RPGs on the computer work. Um, that's more in the realm of like immersive sims or something. Mm -hmm. um, so right, coming up with the the way of creating that system is what kind of spawned that simultaneous turn base that we developed, which was like, how do we take all these immersive systems and organically also make them turn based? It's just like, okay, well, let's have everybody go at the same time 
and you can still take your turns. Um, and so when it's chaotic, it's chaotic. You can still like pace that out and take your time. Um, but what it really allows for is for you to really specifically, you know, sneak around things, stay in the shadow. Um, and then you can command your companions to like go to certain locations or attack people too, or take cover and everything. Um, and so the, the main feature for the main inspo for that one was, I don't know if you've played brothers in arms, um, yeah. how old mm -hmm. those games are, but how you just kind of like point to a direction and you say, Hey, you guys, whatever team go that way. Mm -hmm. Um, we just have numbers one through four, and those can be your squads of however many people you want in each one, you just throw them around and it was pretty easy. Um, it allows you to just control your character and still have some good tactics, squad gameplay. Um, and so for that kind of stuff, you know, we look at more kind of military sims and figuring out um, when we're making the big gang bases or the big, the really big syndicate bases and stuff like this is like breaching a kind of World War II bunker area and stuff mm -hmm. and figuring out what's the best cover kind of situations. And it's a, it's a different kind of challenge where most RPGs, you're just face slamming everything as quickly as possible and just doing as much damage. And this one, you can die pretty easily. Um, the tactics are kind of a requirement. Yeah, I was going to ask, how long does the, an encounter typically last for? How long does the counter do it? The encounter, like with you oh. and an enemy uh, group. They, they can end pretty quick. Um, if you're doing it stealthily, um, you can take people down pretty quickly. There's not a lot of health float in the game. Um, people get more and more kind of armor and stuff to kind of deter getting hit. Like it's cool sci-fi armor that kind of makes them shimmer and harder to see and stuff. So you really need to jack up your... Uh, hit rolls for that but for the most part the bullet to the head is going to hurt quite a bit at any point in the game for enemies and the player um and so if you're really trying to like sneakily take somebody down you can just do like a knockout kind of take care of them you know pick them up and throw them somewhere else and nobody will catch them but a big part of uh, something that could kind of elongate combat is both the gangs and the syndicates when you're in their big compounds they kind of have more of like that Metal Gear Solid alert system where Ooh. if they're uh, if they're catching on to trouble or if they detect you, um, they will continuously send swarms of guards to, to apprehend you. And so you need to either sneak away or hope you're in a position where you could duke it out and get whatever you need and get out. Um, yeah, that's what's handy to have those meat shields around for is they can take the heat for that while you go do something else. So now I miss Parasite Eve and Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> what is my big two takeaways from this interview? <laughs> I'm looking at my PlayStation right now and I'm getting uh, <laughs> getting the same five. Yeah, it's fun to talk about those. What kind of skills and weapons can we expect? Because even though it's set in the future, is there any crazy ass shit we can do? Or any awesome like rifles or arsenal we can get our hands on? Oh yeah, I mean we have the we have a good selection of like uh, the basic firearms is what you can. Um, I guess what probably most people are going to uh, put their points into first, which would be probably smart, is like you have slug weapons, which are kind of the basic, uh, you know, bullet-based versions of guns we have now, and then we have laser guns and plasma guns, and those shoot very different kinds of bullets. Like laser guns ricochet off metal. And plasma kind of do like a splash damage and so those have variations of pistols to big two-handed versions that do kind of more and more damage um and we have everything from like pole arms you have spears uh throwing knives every kind of edge weapon impact weapons uh chain weapons if you want to like 
have a chain that seems very escaped from New York. So we put that in. You can just whip Ooh. people with that. Yeah. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then we have some some chemistry, uh, repair, and a few other ones like that that also have variations of things. There, those are more utility, but each one of them has some variation of combat. So if you were just to put all your points into like one of those, um, you'd still be able to do some combat with them. I did notice there's some sort of a motorcycle vehicular travel going on also. Absolutely. Go into that a little bit because that looks dope. Uh, We had, (laughs) we, we had this whole, this whole city and we had a few ways of getting around. Um, We have some more kind of like warp pad kind of things to get you around, but for a lot of it, you need to first explore it. Um, And from getting to A to B, most fun way to do that in a city is course a car and so we had this whole this whole thing developed so we can have uh cars where your companions a certain amount of companions can sit with you and like shoot from them um, but of course you have like badass motorcycles too and so we tried to get some some cool futuristic motorcycles and big combat cars and kind of mad max ones that are kind of on the outskirts of the jungle in the city and then of course we have like more goofy civilian versions of cars with the three wheels and everything um and yeah, it's, we, you know, the physics is, is a little goofy, but it's fun to, to drive around in an isometric turn-based game. We hadn't really done that before since like follow tactics, but that's a little different. And so it's a fun, it's a fun break uh, during non-turn mode. It's just freeform kind of driving as you'd expect from like GTA or something. And then once turn mode starts, uh, you kind of have like a straight line pathfinding for it. And so you can like ram into people or ram into cars or try to get away that way. Ooh, could you cause damage too that way? You can. Uh, your cars pretty easily explode, and so it's not a great way to just drive into combat. <laughs> we had to balance that a little bit, uh, but it's definitely a good way to get out of out of combat as quickly as possible unless you're getting shot at or something. Yeah, and also end the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on that note, what happens when you die? Like, is you just so one of the one of the characters you came with? It was you and a few other deserters, and one of them is a futuristic doctor, and he's got. He's like a skull for a head. He's got all his like brain sticking on stuff. And mm-hmm. um, he's got Naturally. some psionic ability to heal you. And so when you're about to flatline, they warp you back to the base and they heal you. And you can start from there. Or you can warp back to where you can kind of put like the equivalent of like a D2 town portal down, which is just like a um, kind of like satellite signal of your last known location. And you can warp back there or other parts of the city. So you can quickly get back to the get back to the action if you want, or you can start for your base and hang out with the people that you've been collecting there. The game sort of sounds like it could be open-ended in a lot of ways. You know, you can pick Mm -hmm. different factions to align with or how you approach in situations can change on the fly. How do you fill up a game like this with stuff to do? Well, there's definitely the core things to do. the gangs and then the various ways of getting out and between that there's a lot of um smaller time kind of combat gangs within the city and there's kind of like the meta system of how the city itself is doing so there's kind of like a police force of the mfi and they're the big big bad dystopian police force on this planet and if they see you cruising around in the aforementioned cars and like hitting people and stuff and their drones that are floating around see that um like in GTA or something, like you're gonna get um, their own their own patrols are gonna come out and try to try to shoot you and take you down too. 
Um, and so there's that whole kind of city simulation aspect to this mm -hmm. while you're trying to go around and do your actual um, objectives um, to fill that up. And then of course we have some like sub quests and fun stuff like that to do to take some other time up if you're sick of slaughtering gangs and whatnot. What are what are some of the zanier side quests you can get involved in? We always like, this is always a, a campy one, but we always appreciate um, the collect some kind of weird armor piece. I always remember like the Anheg armor in Boulder's Gate, but mm -hmm. we did something like that in our previous game too. <laughs> oh, wow. And so out in the jungle. Uh, what can, a callback. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's our bread and butter. Uh, yeah, out in the out in the jungle, there's these uh, weird alien giant uh, kind of like caribou creatures, and you can you can kill them and, and get some cool armor out of that. Um, and all the items in the game are pretty limited on their durability. You can repair them, but it's a little pricey, um, or you can roll to do it, but you need the supplies for it. And so, getting some cool armor, especially for like companions or something, um, at any point is always a good idea to have that stock. It's always fun running around with a bunch of like civilians or something and they're just decked out in like heavy, heavy war gear and they can't do anything because they're just like laborers that you just convinced to be in your party. They have like big laser guns and, and giant armors and helmets and stuff. It's like, I don't know what to do. I'm bad at everything. <laughs> don't worry. Well, no, just just you know, stand there and just take a few bullets. It's like, yeah. really? Just stand out in the yeah. open. You'll be just fine. Keep me alive at your one yeah. job. <laughs> It's so funny because I feel like when you talk about laborers or workers aligning with you, I, I sense a message of exploitation of a worker. And you're like, we got to rebel, but you got to serve me and also die for me in the same breath. <laughs> yeah, you're not necessarily like the bad guy, but you are certainly serving, you know, your own purpose of you and your deserters. Like you want to get out. Um but we certainly try to, to reflect that the city's full of, you know, Amazon-esque employees that are mm. not being, you know, uh, treated their fair, their fair share. And, and there's a lot of uh, goofier stories about that as you meet people and stuff. But right. it's certainly the lay of the land as far as the normal city goes. It's like, you'll be shot at, but no one's going to watch you while you work anymore. <laughs> yeah. If I were to explore every nook and cranny in this game, lengthwise to completion, mm -hmm. what does that look like hours, hours wise? How oh. deep does this thing go? Could I play like over the course of like six to eight months kind of a thing? Six to eight months, I guess it depends on how many hours a day you're playing it. But uh, oh. you know, we haven't played it like to complete it absolutely at this point so i probably couldn't say but we definitely try to try to shoot for like a I don't know, around a 20 hour mark for at least mm -hmm. at least trying to get uh those main quests done and, and we do have that tactics and the stealth and that does make combat a little less you know ramming ramming your head into other people and everything um there's a little more thought and time put to to the combat scenarios and the big syndicate compounds or definitely an infiltration mission mm -hmm. um so yeah the 20 30 hour mark i always try to landmark that at like fallout one i always thought was a great length for an mm -hmm. rpg it doesn't overstay its welcome it's not just padding um so i'd say fallout one fallout one length is, is certainly what we're shooting for what does it feel like knowing you have a better cyberpunk game than a game called cyberpunk <laughs> 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 I, I haven't played it, so I, I can't <laughs> say if I could say that's true. Mm. It was very shiny. And mm. it, looked, it looked very pretty. Right. Um, 
but I will take that as a compliment and thank you. What is what is the roadmap for this thing? When can I get my own filthy, disgusting, gritty hands on this game? Uh, we'll probably have to do a whole like release release bonanza at some point but it is coming soon we are wrapping everything up so it's it's on the it's on the horizon definitely are you targeting sometime next year or potentially this year we will have to see (laughs) and this is for steam and pc only or also consoles we'll put it on mac come on now all right i don't know Uh, sure (laughs) hey now uh, we are we are two it's we are two Mac users. Yeah. <laughs> we are two Mac users that are begrudgingly using PCs the last few years. So uh no, we'll put it on PC, Mac, and all that, Linux, um, and then GOG and oh, uh, you know, we're looking into consoles. Uh it's certainly console friendly as far as controls for the most part, but we haven't really delved into the to the nitty-gritty of that we're using um, an engine that's pretty easy to export to that so down the road um, that would be certainly something we're interested in are you looking at what the new consoles can do like how could that potentially affect like your dev for a future game or even this game itself like oh we could do 3d audio or we could do super fast loading or is that even part of that conversation for you guys yeah i mean it's always interesting i haven't we haven't really gotten a new i mean we got the switch um hannah got that for us for last christmas we just played zelda um mm-hmm. somewhat recently i know that's probably an older game at this point but that was oh, a yeah. treat <laughs> um, so we're a little behind on the console scene uh the but it's always fast pretty soon <laughs> all right we're really behind them that's fine uh, uh but no we're always interested in in what's happening in the console world um yeah we started this company in like 2013 is when we kind of jumped out the window and have been trying to create these parachutes with the games. And uh, we started with some like iPhone and Android things. And so we kind of started very, very small and are slowly kind of building our way up here. But it's always interesting to see what um, these kind of more uh, not stunted systems compared to a PC, but you know, what, what they're optimizing for in these, in these newer consoles is always interesting and what the, what those type of controllers can bring to the table, because I always liked, I don't know, console controllers sometimes are, are fun. I use a trackball on my on my computer, so mm. I'm not much of a mouse and keyboard guy. But. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't. The, the pinky can't go for the shift button to save its life sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm always like, sure. just fucking go there. <laughs> but it won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always liked, I always originally liked the original uh, Xbox controller. That big, mm. giant, huge yeah. pumpkin-shaped one <laughs> was awesome. And then they never made it again, and I was sad. But. Oh God, I had one of those. That thing was like a tank. Right. <laughs> it was like a workout for your hands. Yeah. Just picking it up off the floor. <laughs> um, so you guys are approaching like the 10 year mark in game development. It's yeah. Like, what got you into this scene? Um, I mean, we both had, uh, we were in Chicago at the time. Uh, we're back in Chicago now, actually. We kind of did a, a US tour for a little bit, but um yeah, we wanted to work from home and we both kind of had the skills and kind of wanted to do something like this. I was working at a big mega corp casino company doing some art and Hannah had done a lot of big Chicago kind of marketing jobs and had done some coding and writing uh, in college. And, you know, uh, game devs is one of those interesting things that unlike, um, let's say, indie filmmaking or something is mm. 
you know, that you need a lot of equipment. You need the actors, sound editing, blah, 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 lighting. That's kind of a crew no matter what. And the nice thing about being an indie dev is as long as you have kind of that time and you have uh, some kind of knowledge base to do it, you really can kind of do it, uh, do it alone for the most part. And we happen together to have those, to have the kind of baseline skills needed for it. And so we kind of just went for it. And, uh, we've uh, we've had a few husband wife duos on the show before. What's that dynamic like for you guys knowing that you're, you're a couple and you also run this game company together as well. Well, it's pretty, I mean, I think a lot of small indie studios kind of, they, they, they often range into hiring like tons and tons of contractors, mm -hmm. um, especially nowadays, you know, any game studios, uh, like a movie almost with a director taking ownership of it. It's like, mm -hmm. this game is this guy's game, but it's like, I don't know, it's like seven contractors he did for like the art and the music and all this kind of stuff. And then that kind of bogs it down, but when, because we can kind of do everything, it, it is a little more personal and easy. Uh, we have one guy that's been doing our music that we kind of randomly met in 2013, Kevin, and he's fantastic. And we've had another guy help us with some of the narration work. He's fantastic. He's off in uh, Arizona, I think. Um, yeah, but for the most part, it's, it's, yeah, it's just kind of us and it does make it simple. Um, you know, there's not a like, a lot of version I, I control think, problems the, sharing. And the space cops are after you, Joseph. I heard some some sirens going off behind you. Is there some sirens? I'm sorry. I don't know <laughs> what you can pick up. Uh, I'm right next to a window. But, <laughs> yeah, like I said, Chicago. We're going to have yeah. some sirens back there. Oh, good God. <laughs> um, but go on. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so it, it does make it easy just having the two of us. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like version control between all these global partners and figuring everything out. It's just, you know, the builds on our computers makes it easy. A lot of iterations are really easy to make when that happens. You don't get the more diluted product and all that, but we really like working from home. I've been doing that for 20, since like 2013 now. Um, we do wow. get sick of our apartments, so we do move a lot. Uh, we kind of did that beforehand, but um, like we moved to Seattle for a little bit and that was fun, but we usually move apartments every couple of years in any case. We like bought a house and flipped it just for fun over in the West Coast. <laughs> that got us a few more years of development. It's kind of about, you know, it's like a small business. And so a lot of things, you're just trying to create those parachutes. And, uh, you know, that's perpetual, but it's fun. Uh, we've we've want, been enjoying the process. You want to fund this next game? I'll just buy and flip this house and you got some ca some cash flow and we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll use that. <laughs> yeah, you do what you can. I don't know. You're kind of off the grid once you start doing this. So. It's yeah, it's funny you mentioned how you've been basically working from home since 2013. A lot of indie devs were essentially quarantine proof. Like when the lockdowns mm -hmm. happened, they were like, cool, let's just keep doing what we've been doing for forever now. Yeah. All right. So normal Tuesday then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I feel terrible saying that. Of course, you know, this whole thing's been absolutely awful. And, right. Uh, but right, I feel pretty pretty lucky to be able to not really been affected, certainly work-wise and, and less so needing to change up my lifestyle for anything. It's been kind of part of the course. Less walks during the, the heat of it, but that's starting to calm down, I think, hopefully. All right. All right, All right Joseph. I think with that, we should go into some rapid fire questions. Oh my gosh. And this is, I'm ready. Talk about filthy. This is where it's going to get really dirty. Oh no. 
And you know, I think I want to ask you a question that I, I haven't asked a guest in a very long time. I would say maybe even a year or two. But given the filth and the grittiness and the not clean look of your game, we should start off with this one. <laughs> would you rather eat a dick-flavored cake or a cake-flavored dick? Is this what the rapid fire questions are going to be? Okay, hold on. Let me think about that. <laughs> it's listen, they won't all be as easy and obvious answer as this one may be for some people. But just to give you an idea of what you can expect in this segment. You know, I'm, they'll get easier. I guess I the first one, I guess the first one, I get a cake out yeah. of it, and there's probably right. icing. So I guess right. that. Uh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> All right, you've made your choice. We can move on now. Because right. we, we, we could just linger on that for too we long. We can linger on that for the rest of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is a very cyberpunk-ish question. Would you rather have an exact clone of yourself or $1 million tax-free in cash in your hands right now? All right, let me think about that out loud. Or is this rapid fire? Is this like spontaneous? No, no you can like think about it you know pontificate okay if you want to you it's know, like some weird follow the thought patterns it's possibly like weird think out loud warp shenanigans with the clone of myself that could get weird million bucks that's a parachute not shabby that's a big old parachute <laughs> <laughs> but clone yeah. of myself that's double the amount of workload i can i can right. punt off mm-hmm Maybe I'll go clone. I might be able to get more out of that. Do you think you would work harder with the clone or not work at all with the clone? Like, do, you, do you see it as, oh, there's two of me now. I can make like twice as many games with the two of me. Or it's you like, know, well, there might be a comp like a competitive nature of that. Like right. I'm the better clone. I'm obviously going to do this better and work harder. Right, right, right. What that is, sounds like an emotional disaster for Hannah well, to take care of. Well, I was going to say, like, we're going back to, like, a multiplicity. <laughs> like, who gets to... Yeah, there's two of you and one wife. It's just yeah. You know, we'll probably run it. I'll run that one by her. Maybe I'll take the mill just to play that one safe. <laughs> Would you rather have the ability to lie perfectly or always tell the truth? Would always tell the truth be beneficial? <laughs> I don't know. Was that movie Liar Liar? Could be in some scenarios. Well, that's true. Well. Like I, you know, I wonder just to further like think about that. If you couldn't lie, if you could only tell the truth, could you say something that like you couldn't say? Like, could you say there is a heaven if we don't know there's a heaven? I suppose it's what's preventing you from right. doing it. If it's right. some kind of like cosmic force that'll just right. like stop is, it. Right. Or is it what you know to be true? I suppose you're, I suppose you need to tell yourself like perpetual lies constantly to kind of like Always. operate. <laughs> right. Just to like live. Like nobody wants to Always. lie, but like just to like operate as a human being on earth. Yeah. Like you got to suspend disbelief that things are pretty kosher all the time. So mm. yeah. It gets the lie one, I guess. It, it gets existential again. That's also a cornerstone of the cyberpunk genre. Oh like yeah, yeah. The idea of the self, what it means to be alive, and then of course again, 
the Robo Geishas, which you better have some in your fucking game. All right. It's all about <laughs> Robo Geishas. Well, I'm adding them now. All right. Good, good, good. I need the second Joe to do this extra workload. Come on. So, yeah, of course. <laughs> what word best describes you when you've been drinking too much? I get pretty happy. I'll go with happy. Mm, I like that. I like that. <sighs> so it's say it's a random afternoon your wife hannah's home just going about her day programming stuff and making an awesome game and she gets a phone call from the local authorities that her dear beloved husband has been arrested what crime joe have you committed i probably killed the other joe I don't know. I'm pretty. I've been working from home from 2013. Yeah. I don't do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is hey, the... drink, maybe drinking too much? And, maybe yeah. Know, okay. Yeah, we'll do it that one. Trying to get everybody drunk and this lewd behavior. Yeah, just out on the street, passed out this somewhere, <laughs> pissing on an orphanage. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Stupid kids. <laughs> Speaking about stupid, what is the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself? Um, I feel like I've only injured myself in dumb ways. Let me mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all like a cot, something. I think my brother was throwing something heavy at me. What was it? I don't remember, but that like bent a finger i had oh, to have like a brace on it in the long time it's just like stupid i mean you're like kids uh, if the kid thing doesn't count because all kids only do stupid things uh right. think about yeah, a lot your of adult life um geez i don't know my i guess just my body in general i had sepsis not too long ago and my body oh my just God. tried to like yeah my body just tried to kill itself so that was stupid <laughs> I didn't do anything, but what? <laughs> what did you do, Joe? I didn't do anything. It just it said, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm bouncing. And I'm just like, all what, right. What, no, though. <laughs> what weren't you doing? <laughs> you angered it somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I'll go with that. Why aren't you eating more salads? <laughs> it's all I eat. I'm vegetarian. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It, it, it needs meat. <laughs> Well, I was eating. I eat a little bit of meat too. Um, is cereal a soup? Oh, no. Mm. Mm. When was the last time you hugged someone? I probably hugged to, uh, definitely Hannah today. I probably hugged some my cats today. It's probably oh, yeah. Good. Is it okay to sleep with your socks on? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Hmm. Is that Would a good answer? It's a, eh, Well, it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? Would you rather have one real get out of jail free card or a key that opens any door except for a jail cell? Key. You want the key? 100%. What do you open first? Bank. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. What do I open first? 
I feel like with that key, if I'm supposed to be getting into something I'm not supposed to be in, that's going to inevitably lead mm. to jail. Mm. Well, that's kind of a vicious cycle. It Unless is. you're being sneaky. Right. I'm not fun with that sneaky of a guy, though. Yeah, I'll take the jail card. <laughs> that time I'm drunk out in the street, I'll go in handy. <laughs> Would you rather have the power of flight or invisibility? Flight. Mm. And again, where would you go? The first place you would go. Oh, jeez. I want to say anywhere. Um, that's a dumb answer. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're thinking about moving uh, overseas. And so I'd probably pop over to some of the cities that we're narrowing down on. Spend some time there. Check Flight free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little reconnaissance. Some intel mm-hmm. gathering. See if it's a little working. recon, yeah. Yeah, a little recon. Um, that's kind of cool. Uh, if you could explore the depths of the ocean or the unknowns of space without being affected by, you know, a lack of oxygen or pressure or being frozen, <laughs> which would you choose? Probably space. Mm. I think the deep ocean kind of freaks me out and it kind of depresses me. I'm going to find like a Coke can down there. It's just mm. be sad. Find that space too eventually, but right. get, get the head start on it. I want you to think of a game that really made an impact on you. If you could choose a game that you could wipe from your memory just to experience again for the first time. Oh, wicked to capture that magic of your first time playing it which game would that be instinctively i want to say fallout one um (laughs) that game was the treasure just that sound effect of of shooting a rat with that just 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 a super loud gunshot and then like a squeal Mm -hmm. just be like this game this game's got the aesthetic down to a t um Oh, geez, besides that, I feel like there's a lot of answers, but I'll go with that. Why not? Mm-hmm. All right. So I think it's a good time to close on our last question, which is Fallout 76. What went wrong? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I don't like to badmouth other people from, from the sounds of it. You can badmouth the big people. They got the yeah, money. They got the, they got the fuck you money. They got the Microsoft money now. Oh, that's true. Bad mouth them all you want. There's developers making that kindred <laughs> spirits. I don't know. It wasn't isometric. Um, all right. Yeah. That, we'll, go, we'll, go, <laughs> we'll go with that. I didn't play it. I haven't played any of the new ones. So that, that would have saved it. <laughs> I will say this, though. I played Fallout. What was the, what was the newest 3D? The oldest 3D one. Fallout 3, right? Fallout 4. No, 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 no. The, the original like 3D one was Fallout 3. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. That was the first 3D one. Okay. Well, that I, I stopped after. I haven't played okay. anything since then. I played oh, New so Vegas, no... I think. And okay. I was like, whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I just remember leaving the vault uh, at the beginning. Where they had that actor doing the, doing the dad thing. And you go outside and it's like very Bethesda. Oh, my God, the Vistas. And then on the top of the screen, I think I was playing on the Xbox. And it just said like achievement unlocked left the vault and i just i think i think i died like for the first time it just was like the worst experience coming from <laughs> not 
I don't know about the achievement thing. I still don't get it, but just seeing that and just leaving that, I was just like, why, why did you make this? Why did you bake this thing on the screen? I just hated it. You know, they could stand to learn a little bit from you. I think, (laughs) I think your overall, no, seriously, your overall approach to what, you know, I think they've forgotten some of their roots with fallout over the years. I'm sure they're creating something captivating. It's not the achievements, guys. Oh, bad mouth achievements. achievements. You're not using that word right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, before we say our final goodbyes, give us the whole PR spiel. Where can we find out more about you? Will not, Mech Jammer. Go for it. Give us the whole. Okay. Uh, well, we're on, we have like a Steam page, and you can check out Mecha Jammer. And if you wish list it, valve always likes that and that helps us out uh we have like a twitter and we kind of ship post on there and just do stupid mm-hmm. gifts from the game um that's just hand and eyes and then the game has one too and we just do more news on that check us out on those stay safe i don't know if you like rpgs that are isometric and don't hold your hand and don't give you quest markers get oh get mecha jammer see that's that's your pitch right there well, okay. Yeah, I had to lead up to it. All right, all right. <laughs> if you're badass. Get Mecha Jammer. How about that? Yeah, there you go. I'll do it. You know they're doing a Robo. They're doing a RoboCop sequel. Another sequel. So I read about this recently. They're doing one that takes place after the first movie. So it's going to omit all the other sequels. <laughs> I bet it'll be great. You know, I have semi high hopes for that who's making it i think it's some of the dudes involved with the first movie because i think the idea was this film had a message and an intent behind it and it was like a one and done thing and then they were like yeah but it made money so we're gonna sequel the fuck out of it on the studio side yeah and then I think some of the folks were like, you know what? We're going to come back with what it would have been if we had mm-hmm. made a part two. It's so. a weird like franchise idea. A lot of those ones at that time period that were like, we think of now as like action heroes, like Rambo and RoboCop. Like these were yeah, all like, total it's, it's like, it's like satire. Like these were it, like yeah. horrible characters that right. were like depressed. Like Rambo uh-huh. has PTSD. He's a Vietnam <laughs> War vet that wants to die. <laughs> And now it's like super sick Rambo action figures. And it's like all oh, the sequels. It's just like, how did you just jump the shark on that so quickly? And it just, it's so I have money, I guess, too. of course. But right. Yeah. But oh, all right, Joe. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Mecha Jammer is awesome. I can't wait to get my stupid, filthy hands on it. Hopefully, hope it doesn't frustrate you too much. Andy. Well, if it does, you'll be hearing from me. Yeah, you know where I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that'll do it for this week's listeners. Thank you so much, Joe. You've been an absolute blast. And with that, as always, please be excellent to each other.